Notice with me, if you would, please, in the book of Philippians, and we'll begin reading in chapter number four, and we'll go down to verse number four. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Notice, if you would, our text verse in verse number six. Paul is challenging the church there at Philippi, and he says, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, and notice this statement, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. As I read this passage of Scripture some time ago, the Holy Spirit of God began to convict me and work on my personal heart concerning the subject matter of thanksgiving. Amen. This morning, I would like to examine that phrase in the Scriptures and consider the subject matter of thanksgiving in the Bible. I believe we're living in a day and age where we as Christians, especially in America, take the blessings of God for granted. Thanksgiving is an expression of gratitude. We may be thankful for many things, but we do not express our thankfulness or our gratitude. We can be thankful without expressing it, but thanksgiving requires, it demands an expression of gratitude and it requires action. Notice in Psalm 92 and verse number one, it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and to sing praises unto thy name. Notice, if you would, he talked about giving thanks unto God. And then notice the action word in this passage of Scripture, to sing praises unto thy name. Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, verse 18 and 19. He said, in everything, and here's the action word, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And I say to you again that thanksgiving requires action. It requires an expression of the gratitude of our heart. In Psalm 116 and verse 12, the Bible says, What shall I, and here's our action word, render unto the Lord for all of his benefits toward me. And may I say to you again this morning that thankfulness, thanksgiving, requires action. You know, ungrateful people are not thankful for the blessings. And actually in the scripture, we have a verse that tells us that those who are unthankful have a tendency to become reprobate. Notice in Romans chapter 1 and verse number 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Gratitude does not come naturally for most of us in this world today. Notice, if you would, three things about gratitude in this passage of Scripture. Notice, if you would, please, in our text, he says, be careful for nothing. May I say to you that there are three things that Paul is trying to get us to understand, to understand thanksgiving and what it means and to have an expression of gratitude on our heart. And first, he starts with that statement, be careful for nothing. Now, it's not saying that we are to live a careless life, but what he is literally saying is you consider the word careful, it literally means to be not anxious. 
And so Paul is saying to the Christians there at Philippi that we should not be anxious or filled with anxiety over the circumstances or possibly our lack of needs or supply in life. The word careful there is used also in other passages of Scripture of our Bible. Do not be anxious over anything. In other words, don't allow the anxiety of your circumstances, the anxiety of your uh, fears, the anxiety of the uncertainty, the anxiety of not knowing where the finances will come, the anxiety of not knowing the report of the test that was just taken. Paul says be ca uh, careful or anxious for nothing. Notice, if you would, in our scriptures in Matthew's gospel, chapter number 6, and verse number 25, we find that he said, And I say, uh, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. And the word thought in this passage of scripture, it comes from the same foundational word. We get our word careful for nothing or careful in the New Testament in the book of Philippians, chapter 4 in our text. Notice what he says, we are not to be filled with anxiety or to take thought for our life, what we shall eat, what we shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. May I say to you that when we have anxiety and we are not grateful for the things that God has bestowed upon us, it is an expression of a lack of belief in God's ability to supply those needs that we have in our life. When we allow circumstances to build anxiety in our life, we are in essence saying that I know God is God. I know he owns a cattle of a thousand hills. I know he raised the dead. I know he healed the leper. I know he healed the blind. I know he makes the halt and the maim and he heals them by his divine power. And I know that he is God. He is omnipotent. He is omnipresent. He is omniscient. He is a sovereign God. But I do not believe that God can take care of my personal circumstances. May I say to you in 30, almost 34 years, it'll be January the 30th of next month, uh, we will have served as missionaries for the Rock of Ages Ministries now for 34 years. And I've learned in 34 years of being a missionary, I've learned to try not to allow circumstances and needs and necessities to cause me to be filled with anxiety. Amen. And I know it's human nature and I haven't conquered all of it yet. I wish I could stand before you and say I never have fears. I never have anxieties. I never have unbelief that God will not move. But I'll say to you that the Lord has strengthened our faith over these many years. He has never failed us in all these 34 years of missionary service. And God can supply the simplest of our needs. But he is looking for an attitude of thankfulness and expression to give him honor and glory and praise for that which he does in our life. I remember we were young missionaries and we were traveling down the road. Mrs. Ellis looked at me and said, you know, I'd like to have some mocha. Now, I'll be honest with you, I was born in Chatsworth, Georgia, raised most of my life around the Tunnel Hill West Side area, and uh, I had never heard the phrase mocha. How many of you know what mocha is? I'm sure everybody today knows. But I never heard of it back in those days. And so I looked at her and I said, what is that? She said, well, it's a combination of chocolate and coffee mixed together. I said, and people drink that stuff? She said, they sure do. And uh, she said, I'd like to have some. I've never had it before. I said, well, uh, you know, I gave her the same response she gave me, Brother Green, when I wanted a new hunting rifle or something else that I needed or a new suit. 
I came back with the reply she gave me, pray for it. And so I looked at her and I said, pray for it. She bowed her head on the spot and prayed and said, no, Lord, you know we don't have the funds for me to buy some mocha. We went out with $125 a month full time by faith, believing God to take care of our needs. She bowed her head in simple prayer and prayed and asked God for some mocha. She had no more opened her eyes and would go on a mile or so down the road. She said, stop the car, stop it now. I slammed the brakes on. I thought we were about to get in a wreck. She opened the door, got out, ran around the car, and the front of it bent over the yellow line. I started to put it in drive and drive off. <laughs> she bent over and picked up a little can. It was about that square and about this high, almost the size of a Spam can. I hadn't thought of Spam in many years. I ate a lot of that growing up, fried Spam. She sat down in the car. She said, praise God, he answered my prayer. I said, he did what? She said, he answered my prayer. I said, what is that? She said, it's mocha. And I don't remember the brand, Vienna or something like that. It was a small can that's powder, half chocolate milk and half a coffee that was ground and you put it in hot water and stir it up. And I looked over, I said, that looks like it's been opened to me. She said, it is. She said, you want some? I said, I didn't pray for it. I said, you're not going to drink that stuff, are you? She said, if God provided it, it'll be a-okay. That was about 33 years ago, and she's still living. By the grace of God. But I'm telling you, God hears and answers even the simplest and smallest of our prayers. If we'll but be willing to help him. And when she sat in the car, she held up the can, held up the other, and said, praise God for answering my prayer. An attitude of gratitude and an expression of thankfulness to thank God for his blessings and provisions. I remember when we first became missionaries and I don't have time to go through all the story this morning. We wanted to live in a motorhome full time. We felt it was the best at that time for educating our children and uh, going down the road we could eat and continue to drive. Many a nights we've driven through the night and into the day to get to the next meeting. I remember we, by the grace of God, bought a Winnebago. I don't remember the year. I believe it was a, a 74. Had a Dodge 318 in it. Many a times we had to go down the interstate with a cow vent. And you older folks know what a cow vent is that covered the engine inside the motorhome. And I would reach over and show Peggy how to hold the choke so we could keep it going to get down the road to the next exit to get it repaired. And I remember... We were in the state of Missouri and it was in the winter time and the Lord had impressed on our heart to go west. I was going to Wyoming. I had one meeting in Wyoming, one meeting in the state of Montana and one meeting in the state of Washington. I only had three meetings. We left and didn't return back for over six months. In fact, it was almost eight months. And I remember in our church, the Bible Baptist Church in Jefferson City, Missouri, I went to our pastor, Pastor Reichert, and said, the Lord's impressed on my heart to go west. He said, if God's impressed it on your heart, go for it. But I had a man in our church, and he'd come to us. In fact, he was a deacon. He said, now, Brother Ellis, he said, it's not God's will for you to go west. He said, sir, this is the winter time, and he said, there are literally uh, stretches of 100 miles or more where there's no gas station, there's nothing, there's nothing out on those high plains and prairies and deserts, and your motorhome will break down, you know it's not roadworthy, and uh, you'll break down and your entire family will freeze to death. 
Well, he was telling the truth as far as the potential of freezing to death. Many times we knew of people that were traveling down the interstate and their vehicles would break down. And I remember one particular family right there at the exit, the first exit in Rollins. One blustery blizzard night, their vehicle broke down on the exit going into the city. He left his family, his wife and two children in the vehicle to go in, to walk into the city to go for help. The next morning they found his body about 100 to 150 yards from the vehicle frozen to death in the snow and the blizzard. His family had frozen to death that night in the vehicle. And it happened quite frequently with the sub-zero temperatures. And he said to me, this deacon, now Brother Ellis, you know it's not the will of God. And as you go with what you have, uh, you can't go with that heater that's in that vehicle because you'll freeze to death. And he was uh, telling the truth. I said, I gotta go. God's called me. He's impressed in my heart. I've got to obey God. And so he said, well, if you're going, I don't want you on my conscience. And so he bought a brand new uh, heater to put into our motor home. A little later, another man came and said, now, Brother Ellis, the tires on that vehicle's not the best. They're not roadworthy for that snow and ice. And you can't go. It's not the will of God that you go to Wyoming in this season of the year. I said, God's impressed on my heart. I have no choice but to go. He said, if you're going, I don't want you on my conscience. And he bought us a brand new set of tires for our vehicle. Another came along and said, you can't go. There's hundreds of miles and stretches where there'll be places and there's nowhere to get fuel for that vehicle. I said, I gotta go. The Lord's impressed on my heart. He said, well, if you're going, I don't want you on my conscience. And he bought us a new a gas tank, a bigger gas tank to go on our motorhome. And this happened one thing right after another. And after about a, a few weeks, a couple of weeks of this, our motorhome, God had prepared it for the winter weather in Wyoming. He used the skeptics to prepare it for the weather. We went west, got out there, and people all over the state said, we don't understand this. This is the mildest winter we've ever had on record. And before we got ready to go, the deacon that started the whole uh, thing off came to me and he said, now, Brother Ellis, you know it's not the will of God. If you get to the, the first red light and the transmission goes out, you'll know it's not God's will. I wish you hadn't have said that. We got to the first red light, got ready to go, and the transmission went out on our motorhome. We called pastor and he said, we've got a transmission man in our uh, church, he might be able to help you. And so I called him, he looked at it and he said, your transmission shot, Brother Ellis, there's no way. And I had to leave to get there. This was on a, a Friday uh, afternoon and I was to preach my first message and service in Wyoming and it was gonna take every second I could get was driving through the night and the day to get to our first meeting just to make it on time if we were gonna leave uh, no later than Saturday morning. He said, I can't get you out and going, there's no way. I didn't know what God was doing. But he called me back a couple of hours later. And he said, Brother Ellis, you're not going to believe what the Lord did. He said, I went back to the back and he said, I have to cut the power off in the switch box to our business. And he said, I went back to cut the power off. And he said, as I was getting ready to reach out and pull the lever, I looked over to the right and there was a big massive crate in the corner. He said, it's been there for years, but he said, I forgot what was in it. He said, I went over and looked at it and it said something about a transmission for a Dodge. He said, I opened the top off of it, pried it off. He said, you're not gonna believe this, sir. He said, several years ago, memory came back to me. Several years ago, he said, there was a man that came in, had a Dodge, a 318. 
and it was a big work truck and said that uh, he needed a transmission. I ordered him one and it, it was delayed in shipment and he went to somewhere else and, and bought a transmission. He said, I got stuck with it. He said, Brother Ellis, it's been sitting in my shop for several years now. He said, God must have known you was gonna be used and needing this this day. He said, I can take your motor home, work all night and have you going by morning. And God had provided the need. I say to you, Paul said to the church at Philippi, don't be anxious, don't be careful for anything. Trust God with your most basic needs. God's able. I say God's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we would ask or think. Secondly, I want you to notice if you would with me quickly, be prayerful for everything. Notice he says in our text, but in everything by prayer and supplication. You see, when we pray, we show our dependence upon him Prayer, excuse me, prayer acknowledges God's preeminence and in our insufficiencies. I remember as a young man, I worked for a gentleman that did concrete work, Billy Raper. He poured the concrete slab for the dining hall at the Faith Baptist camp. He came in one day and he said, you boys get ready, you're gonna be working for a few weeks without pay. He didn't ask, he didn't ask us to pray. He just told us you're gonna be working without pay. He said, it'll be an eternity, not here. Well, as a young preacher, I needed food on the table, but I just, God was teaching me to live by faith. We went and we began to pour the concrete at the camp. And I remember a lesson that I was taught during that week, and it stayed with me over these many years. We had concrete, truck, concrete trucks lined up pouring concrete, and Brother Allen was there. And he asked for one of the men to go get him a drink of water. He got his drink of water and he said, now boys, he said, stop pouring your concrete for a moment. He said to the truck driver, shut your truck down for a moment. We're gonna bow and thank God for a glass of water. And he bowed on his knees and he prayed and he thanked God for a glass of water in Jesus' name. And that's a lesson that stuck with me, to be thankful for the small things, the little things of life. And many times we oversee and we overlook the things that God has done for us. We're to be thankful for anything. And so Paul says in the passage of Scripture to pray about everything. Do we pray? Do we really pray that God will meet the needs? I've been a missionary, as I said, for almost 34 years now. And I've learned that God's never failed me. We have needs at Rock of Ages Ministries. It costs on an average $300 per hour to keep this ministry going worldwide. That's including all the missionary support. God's never failed. I've prayed about things in my life, Pastor. I prayed about a conference some years ago to go somewhere. It was a great church. There were great opportunities and potential but the Holy Spirit of God would give me no liberty to make that move. And I found out why two years later. The church went out and left field. They left their doctrine, left their standards, left their Bible, left conservative music. You see, God knows the future. We should pray about everything in our life and be willing to trust him for all of our needs. And then there's a third thing this morning. Notice what he says with thanksgiving. We should be thankful for anything 
thankful for the good things and the bad things in life. Thanksgiving is not only an expression of gratitude, but it is active gratitude. It is thankfulness in action. Matthew Henry, the famous Bible expositor, once was accosted by thieves. He wrote this in his diary. Let me be thankful first because I was never robbed before. Secondly, because although they took my purse, they did not take my life. Third, because although they took my all, it was not much. And fourth, because it was I who was robbed and not I who was doing the robbing. We should thank God for his blessings. What are some things we should be thankful for? And there's multitudes, but I've just written down a few things to share with you this morning. One, we ought to thank God for our health. The Lord's been good to us. In spite of sickness and disease and other things that we've battled, we're still here. God still blessed us. We still have a life and a voice and a lip when we can praise God and give him all the glory in our life. One of our missionaries early in the year was facing possible uh, having his esophagus removed. And he said, Brother Ellis, my ministry will be gone. I said, no, it won't. He said, what do you mean? I won't be able to talk. I'll not have a voice to preach and a voice to witness and tell of the great things of God. I said, but you'll still have two hands and two feet. You can still reach in a pocket and hand somebody a gospel track and point to them and tell them about Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We can thank God for our health. We can thank God for our wife. We can thank God for our children. I remember at the Wyoming State Penitentiary and I did a funeral escort for a maximum security prisoner one day and he walked into the funeral home. He looked over the casket of his little infant that had been killed in a, a car accident. His wife had pulled out in front of a Greyhound bus. She didn't have him in a restraint. The infant had threw him out the window and the car landed on top of the infant. And the prisoner looked over in the casket and he began to weep and cry out, I'm so sorry I was not here to take care of you and to protect you. It's my fault you didn't have life and live it. We can thank God for our children. And we can thank God for our grandchildren. You grandparents say amen right there. The grandchildren are the fruits of our blessings of our children and our homes and our vehicles and our church and our pastor. I preach in churches all over the country and other nations around the world and I thank God for Bible Baptist Church. I thank God for Pastor Gravely and Miss Alita and the family. I thank God for our deacons today we have at Bible Baptist Church. Their job is not always easy, and I thank God for our pastor. I thank God for his family. I thank God for our deacons. I thank God for our Sunday school teachers. How long has it been since we walked by and just said, you know, that was wonderful. Thank God for you. Let's not be like the little girl who went by the preacher to shake his hand after the service and said, preacher, when I get old, I'm going to make a lot of money and give you some of it. He said, well, honey, that's the sweetest thing I've ever heard in my life. Uh, why would you want to do that? She said, well, I've always heard my daddy say, you're the poorest preacher he's ever heard in his life. <laughs> Let's not be like her. Or should I say her daddy? Thank God for our song leader. Where else can you go and hear the singing with the emotion and the passion and the fervency to lift up God and to praise him for our choir? Yes. Brother Green 
Many of the missionaries and evangelists and others that are here this morning, we're in and out of churches all the time. Thank God for a choir that has some life about it. Thank God for salvation. Thank God for my Bible. Thank God for my freedom and for my friends. I'm telling you this morning, we better get an attitude of thanksgiving because when we get to heaven, it will be an atmosphere, a place of praise and thanksgiving for eternity. And some of us are going to need a lot of practice. Notice what he said in Revelation chapter number 7 and verse number 12. The Bible says, finally let me read verse number 11. All the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God saying, Amen, blessings and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. It's going to be a place of worship and praise. There's a song, Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy, pray, thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Notice he said, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Do you need a heart tune up this morning? People can be divided into one of two categories, the thankful and the unthankful. Oh, to hear those words of our master, well done, thou good and faithful servant. James said in James 1.17, every good and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. May I say to you that my father's rich in houses and lands. He holdeth the wealth of the world in his hands of rubies and diamonds and silver and gold. His coffers are full and has riches untold. It is said during the famine in Canaan that Joseph would order the servants to cast grain into the Nile and it would float down river so that the people below would know there was plenty above. Isn't it wonderful that our Heavenly Father every now and then, he drops a little handful on purpose to remind us, you may be hurting below, but there's plenty up above where this came from. The Bible says, forget not all of his benefits. In Psalm 109, verse 1 through 5, and I'll not read it for the sake of time, but what are some of the benefits found in this text? Forgiveness of sin, health, Preservation of life is blessings and satisfaction. Aren't you glad that he satisfies us with the good things of life and of his mouth that he blesses upon us? How can we give thanks unto God? Let me give you two or three things real quick and I'll be done. One, we can obey his word. We want to thank God for his blessings and we want to express our gratitude. Be obedient to his word. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Notice he said, in the book of First Chronicles 16 and 29, give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. You want to express a heart of gratitude and thankfulness? Give him a special offering. Well, the amen's got weak there, but we still the truth. It's still Bible. Verbally thank him for his blessings. How about this one? Thank God for the people he's used to mold and shape and make your life for his glory. 
Come thou fount of every blessing to my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious song sung by flaming tongues above. Praise thy mount, I'm fixed upon it. Mount of thy redeeming love. I believe God wants us to have a heart of thankfulness and thanksgiving. A heart and a gratitude that expresses continuously the blessings of Almighty God. Fathers, we bow before you this morning. I pray you'll take these few short, simple thoughts, use them for thy glory. May we never forget the blessings of God, but help us to go beyond that. Help us to express our heart of gratitude and thankfulness for your blessings. You've been far better to us than we deserve. I pray you'll help us not to have a heart of ingratitude, but a heart of gratitude and thankfulness for your blessings. Bless today, I pray now in Christ's name.